Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week, we pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. And Kristen here. Yay. Shannon. <laughs> I, I didn't know I wasn't here last week. We <laughs> well, I just assumed that... Okay, take two. Take two. Take two. Ready? Right. And... Uh, we talk about things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Kristen here. And I'm Shannon. Perfect. <laughs> Kristen, you were so on the ball. We just, <laughs> we just weren't ready for you. Sorry, I tried. Oh. Oh. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Kristen, welcome back. Good to have you. Two weeks in a row. This is great. Thank you. It's, it's very exciting. As always, I'll never get sick of it. So, Glad to thanks. have you. Well, speaking of getting <laughs> sick, though, you do you do have a cough. Since it's just you, I can, I can edit them out pretty well. But in That's case anybody's good. like, Kristen, you don't sound great. It's because she has a cough. Leave her her alone, you guys. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, guys, before we get into this week's topic, we do have a couple of emails I want to read. Uh, the first one is from Elise Tolman. Elise, it's always good to hear from you. In, in her usual fashion, you know, she catches up on several shows and then then uh, breaks them down. So so here we go. Uh, she says, hi, favorite show, friends. Been enjoying your show. Just thought I'd mention a country singer that I like. His name is Paul Overstreet. I like listening to his music because I've never heard a song of his that wasn't just wholesome storytelling. I haven't listened to anything recent, so I hope that's still true about him. Uh, I did look him up on Wikipedia and learned that he co-wrote When You Say Nothing At All, which was one of my favorite songs by Alison Krauss, who's my favorite folk singer. That's pretty cool. Just so you know, as cool as hummingbird moths are, their larvae are not cool. They are hornworms that can decimate a tomato plant in no time. Oh, no. I came home from a trip recently, and one little one-inch hornworm had defoliated half my plant. They are also scary. They can get big, like three inches long and fat, and when you go to pick them off the plant, they thrash around and make a clicking sound. Ask Alex if he remembers picking them off the tomato plants when he was a kid. I paid him five cents for each hornworm they found. I've heard him talk about that before, actually. <laughs> I, I did read, yeah, when I was when I was researching the, the hummingbird moths, that they are an invasive species, and uh, maybe that's also part of it, that they're real crop eaters. <laughs> so, anyway, so I had to deal with that. The moths are cool. The rest of it, not so much. <laughs> if you want to see a cool caterpillar, look up the two-tailed Pasha butterfly. The butterfly isn't that amazing, but the larvae look like little green dragons. They are so cute. I did look them up. They're pretty Ooh. cool. Really cool. By the way, paint silkies are white with black spots, just like paint horses. See, this is, I don't know anything about horses uh-huh. as much as I don't know anything about chickens. But the, the paint <laughs> color, I was laughing so hard at the descriptions of the different colors, and I was like, paint colored? What? Paint can be any color, but... Now I understand paint is a white with black spots. I get it. I read more about the okapi, and it is more odd than just looks. It has four stomachs like a cow. It has thick, oily fur so it can stay dry in the rain. It has scent glands on the bottom of its feet to mark its territory. Its tongue is black to protect it from the sun. And it isn't just long to get leaves, but it also licks its own ears to keep them clean. So weird. That is weird. Uh, Yeah. Weird animal. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And an interesting creature I've encountered recently is called the the by-the-wind sailor. Its real name is Valela, Valeya. It's a double L thing, so I don't know how it's pronounced. Uh, I saw it on the beach in California and thought it was an odd piece of blue and clear plastic. It's a free-floating hydrozoan, fancy word, uh, that lives on the surface of the ocean. They're related to the Portuguese man-o'-war. I looked up pictures of those, too. They look really cool. Uh, have a great week. Can't wait to hear what's next. Elise. Elise, thanks for uh, thanks for writing in. It's got, I kind of actually like your format of, like, here's here's all my details on all these episodes. It's, it's kind of <laughs> nice. I like it. 
And then the other email I wanted to read is from our mom. Hi, oh. mom. Hi. Hi, mom. She says, hello, favorite show friends and family. Recently caught up in a few episodes and wanted to let you know how much I enjoyed them. Hey, mom's taking a, a page out of Elisa's book. <laughs> I like this. It was fascinating to learn about the obscure animals. I hope the not real narwhal family was listening, Shannon. <laughs> how great would that be? Right? She says, it was fun listening to Aaron and dad share all their knowledge about country, bluegrass, and folk music. I always enjoyed listening to Aaron's bluegrass bands and have such fond memories of seeing and hearing granddad, dad, Aaron, and Nolan playing the old songs together. Those were good times. Mm-hmm. My family listened to a lot of country music growing up. People used to say my dad, our papa, uh, looked like Roy Clark, which I totally can see. I don't know if you guys look up Roy Clark. He looks a lot like papa. Mom says, one time my parents went to see him at the Las Vegas Hilton. They tried to go backstage to meet him, saying they were brothers. What? <laughs> they got pretty far <laughs> until someone said, Roy Clark doesn't have a brother and made them leave. What? Okay, but I also just looked it up. Yeah, that's very passable. I remember Papa telling this story more than once. It's so good. I never heard that story. That's great. (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, Mom says, a couple of my favorites you didn't mention are Keith Urban and Dan and Shay. Uh, The kids episode was great. I agree with Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. I never watched them as a kid, but I sure encouraged my own kids to watch them. I remember they came on PBS every day at 4 p.m., which meant I could go and make dinner while you were learning, laughing, and singing along. Then they did their job. (laughs) Good job, children's television. Thanks for the fun episodes, Mom. Thanks, Mom. Love you. Thanks for uh, thanks for writing in. What was the name of that weird show yesterday, today's special something? Today's special. Yeah. Okay. I remember that show. You I didn't do? remember the name of it, but I remember the mannequin and the magic hat because she like throws it, right? And it like like magically like flies around and then it goes on and it comes alive. Like I totally remember that. I don't remember like anything else about it, but I wanted you to know you weren't crazy. Oh thank it you. Wasn't yes. Just you. And it was like it was it wasn't like a like a magic top hat or something. It was like a like no, a No, it's like a like a newsboy hat, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah totally. I'm glad you glad you remember. <laughs> Do any of you guys remember uh, Eureka's Castle? <gasps> yeah, I forgot about Eureka's Castle. That was like one of the few that I think didn't get mentioned. I think. Like, I, I was just reminiscing, like, so hard. Every single show you guys would mention, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, like, remembering Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, yes, I, the the nice PBS shows. But I think I might have mentioned this on our animated TV series episode that uh, I probably watched way too much TV on Saturday mornings. Because <laughs> dad would have the rule of we were doing chores Saturday mornings. And then... We could go watch our cartoon and then on the commercial break, get back to the chores and then we could go back to the TV, you know, because you couldn't pause the show back right. in the day. Way, yeah, we're, so, we're old. so old. <laughs> anyway, but uh, I would have three different channels that had Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> That's right. And every time it would come to a commercial, I would switch the channel. <laughs> so I'm um, sure mom and dad were fooled. I'm sure they had no idea. <laughs> well, I don't know. They would, would have to trek all the way down to the basement. Oh, that's all right. That, that was the that was the workaround. Is that you did it in the downstairs uh, no. TV? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, oh, I love it. Yes. Oh, uh, the the one update I did I uh, I did want to mention is I loved listening to you and Dad talk about the different country and folk artists, and I loved that Dad mentioned Trailer Park Heroes because I loved your bluegrass band, Aaron. I absolutely loved it. I loved your rendition of Wagon Wheel. I listened to that over and over again. I had that on my iPod. I'll actually um, 
I can't remember which one of my kids now, but I sang that to them as a baby. I'm trying to remember which kid now, but Aww. it was just a, such a nice song for rocking a little baby. Anyway, but I wanted to mention your version of Rocky Raccoon by oh, the Beatles. Yes. That was so great. I've never heard anything like it. So Rocky Raccoon already, I mean, it's the Beatles, this British band, and it's got kind of this twangy feel to it. And you just took it the step further and you sped it up and you really just gave it that bluegrass feel. And it was just so fun. And I don't know, I got to go find it. I know I had I had your Trailer Park Hero songs on my old iPod but you guys probably don't have them on Spotify, do you? Probably not, because I think a lot of the songs we did were covers that we don't necessarily right. have the rights to stream. I gotta find that song. It was so good. If you, if you can't find so it, much. I'll send it to you. I know I've got it around here somewhere. Okay. That was such a fun song, because yeah, like the original, like the Beatles' Rocky Raccoon, like it was written as like a not making fun of, like, but not like a tribute either. Like it was, it was like, <laughs> a, it was like an American, like you know, Western whatever music. Like it had the harmonica in it, whatever. But I just remember listening to it and thinking, like, you know, if you just like double timed the speed of this song, it would really make a good bluegrass tune. And that was like, that was kind of all I did. Like we started out with the slow, like regular Beatles tempo, and then we were just like, oh, one, two, three, four, go, and it was like so, like perfect. It was just it, it wrote it itself. Was. It was it was perfect bluegrass song. Yep. That's all. Just wanted to say that. Awesome. Well, thank you. That's very nice. Yeah, I should I should listen to that again, too. It's been a while. Uh, any other updates you guys want to talk about before we get into this one? Nope. Nah. All right. Let's do it. This is a big one. This week, we're talking about our favorite anime movies. So we did anime series once upon a time. Long time ago, it feels like. <laughs> but yeah, this week, our favorite anime movies. And we did discuss uh, and debate a little bit of, should we just, should we make this... Ghibli only or non-Ghibli only because it is a big topic, but I feel like it's kind of fun to just keep it general as anime movies and talk about a lot of them because obviously Studio Ghibli are, you know, masters of the art form uh, and have made some incredible films. But to be fair, there's a lot of movies on my list and I think it sounds like you guys as well have a fair amount of movies that are not Studio Ghibli that uh, are really great movies. So we're going to keep it a little broader and probably bigger. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I remember this was, I don't know, years and years ago. We uh, we had everyone fill out their favorite Ghibli movies, like number order. <laughs> oh, that's one hard to, to I do. Don't know, eight or something like that, because there weren't that many There were back not then. very many. Uh -huh. And we did it with like Pixar. And uh -huh. if we were to try to do that now, there, there, there's way too many. And th they're all really good. But it is kind of, I don't know. You can probably cut this out. This is just me rambling. But like there are so many movies now in like the Studio Ghibli set and like the Pixar set and everything. You're bound to get a couple that are like, uh, they're good, but they're not the best. And, you know, so we are able to like branch out more because just because they have so many, I does that make sense? Yeah. Know. It does. No, yeah. I and I think that the Pixar comparison for me is is like right on point because like maybe there's like one or two Pixar movies where I'm like, yeah, it's fun, but it's not like a great movie or like not my style or whatever. But like you still, if you're trying to pick your favorite of them, it's like, well, it could be this for this reason or this for this reason. Like there's there's like a bunch of movies that makes it so impossible to pick, like, this is definitively my favorite. And I feel like Studio Ghibli is the same way. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't love every movie they've done. There's there's a couple that I'm like, eh. I think there's two or three that are fine. Yeah, there's a couple that I'm like, eh, I don't, need to, I don't need to watch that again anytime soon. But, like, there's some, like, there's so many that are, like, so good. It's, like, really hard to pick a favorite. So, yeah. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. total, yeah, I totally get it. Did we decide who's going first? <laughs> we talked uh, about it. Now. No one. 
Well, so I mean, that said, <laughs> I I do think, like we mentioned, of all of the Ghibli movies, I I like every single one of them. <laughs> like there are a lot of them now, mm-hmm. and I do like all of them. And there are a few that are okay. A couple of them, they're old and a little more, I don't know, boring, I think. Just because culturally, it's not as like near and dear for me. Um, I can see how it makes a big deal in its its cultural impact, but like, you know, still not the most favorite for me. There's a couple that are weird. I like I'll be the first to say that. They're just they're some of them are a, a little a little too weird. Looking at you, Pompoco. I okay. I, I love I that movie. Love Pompoco. It's weird. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. So, but no. So when I was doing my research, I tried to mostly veer away from the Studio Ghibli's because I, this would be my Futurama episode, Aaron. I could talk (laughs) for two hours probably just on Ghibli movies. If I were to get a tattoo, it would be Studio Ghibli through and through. Like, (laughs) I, the love there is very big. Soot Sprites for me. How about you? Yes. Soot Sprites and Kodamas. Oh, Kodamas. Kodamas, yeah. Yeah. But anyhow, so like when I was doing my research, I researched some specific movies and all of Studio Ghibli. <laughs> so <laughs> here's here's some fun facts about Studio Ghibli for you. If you have not seen the documentary, uh, The Kingdom of, oh, it's a long title. The Kingdom, Kingdom of, of Dreams Madness. and Madness. Right? Dreams and Madness. There you go. Yes, it's, oh, it's so good. good. It's on HBO Max. Sorry. It's on Max. It's on <laughs> they keep changing Max. Names. Yes. And most of the Ghiblis are on Max. There's only Grave of the Fireflies is not on there, and the Red Turtle is not on there, which I learned existed today, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't heard of the Red Turtle until doing my research here, but... Yeah, it's a really good documentary talking about Studio Ghibli and the creators and founders of it, which are Toshio Suzuki, who was the producer, forever and ever, president of Studio Ghibli. And he began the studio with Hayao Miyazaki, who is amazing. And uh, his, his signature art style is what really makes... Ghibli, Ghibli. Also, you know, with he has these very specific themes that come from his very, you know, personal views of things that he's very, you know, environmentalist, feminist, family forward, and, you know, anti-war. He's got these themes that reoccur so much, which I think is what really makes like all of these Ghibli movies magic, that we have these narratives with strong female leads and our hero, the antagonist that they are up against, is not someone who is unsympathetic. It is somebody who that you can see their side, that they are a very believable, quote unquote, villain. Like you can't really call them a villain half the time. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. <laughs> the animation is beautiful, paired together with music from Joe Seishi, who we talked about on our pianist episode, mm-hmm. that he has done music for them forever. And I mean, he hasn't composed every Ghibli film score, but all the really big ones <laughs> he has <laughs> with incredible themes. And then later, Aizawa Takahata uh, joined Studio Ghibli after being approached by Miyazaki. Um, and the two of them were animators together at Toei Animation, which 
is like the biggest animation company in Japan, I think. Yeah. That they do a huge. lot of anime. And here's some sad things. Did you guys know that Aizawa Takahata died? I did know that, yeah. Oh. His, his last film was uh, The Tale of the Princess Kaguya. Yes. I, well, and it, he died back in 2018. So <laughs> I don't know how it took me so long to find that out. But when I was kind of reading up on him, he, he had all the saddest Ghibli movies. <laughs> He sure did. Because <laughs> he, he he did Grave of the Fireflies, which, by the Have way. Have you seen that yet? Oh, Aaron, I almost did. I uh, almost, almost did it. <laughs> I, almost I'm with Shannon. I had, I'm with Shannon. I had the summer sads, and I was going to do a triple feature that I watched Kaguya, and then I watched The Wind Rises, and then I was going to watch Shannon. Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> and you chickened out, didn't you? What a depressing day. <laughs> it was so nice, though. <laughs> Like to get oh, all man. of the feelings out, but um, but yeah. So Aiza Takahata did Grave of the Fireflies. He did Princess Kaguya. He did Pompoko, which is weird and <laughs> has kind of a sad ending to it, really, but is beautiful. He did Only Yesterday, which mm. is one that was not one of my most favorites. I thought it was a little boring, but it it has its merit. And My Neighbors the Yamadas, which is the most unique of. The Ghibli movies, I think, like the art style mm-hmm. is totally different, but yeah. I yeah. still really liked it. But yeah, there's there's your quick run of Studio Ghibli for you. Awesome. Well, let me talk about one of my favorites. And going back to this, like, pick your favorite Pixar movie. I feel like it's so hard to pick just the one, the number one. And I feel like when it comes to anime, the Ghibli movies typically shoot to the top of the list. And it's, like, between, like, three or four different ones of, like, maybe depending on how I'm feeling that day is my absolute favorite. But more more often than not, most of the time, I think I'd have to pick my favorite uh, as Howl's Moving Castle. Top five for sure. I love that. I movie. love Howl's Moving Castle, which we've talked about a little bit on the show, actually, because I think I think didn't we mention it when we talked about movies uh, adapted oh, yeah, books. from books? Based maybe books. I think is when we talked mm-hmm. about it a little mm-hmm. bit. So I don't, have to, I don't have to go in super detail about it. But uh, Howl's Moving Castle came out in two thousand four. Uh, I actually, I remember seeing it in theaters. Um, I have Me not too. seen most of the of the Miyazaki or sorry the the Ghibli films in theaters. Uh, but this one I did see in theaters, and it was um, the subtitled version. I actually didn't see the the English dub in the theater written and directed by Miyazaki and it is just a, a beautiful film I, I I will say this I, I typically am not a fan of stunt casting that animation likes to do like you see so many animation studios including a lot of English dubs where they just like go with celebrity voices and stuff and I I'm not a big fan of that I feel like you should just get like good actors and especially like good voice actors good dubbing actors yeah however I do think they nailed it on this one Christian Bale Emily Mortimer Gene Simmons, Lauren Bacall, Billy Crystal, like they all are really perfect in this movie. So this is one time I feel like they got it right. It was so cool with the casting. So for anyone that that is unfamiliar with the plot, it follows this girl named Sophie who, uh, despite what she wants to do, she gets mixed up in this kind of battle that's going on between this wizard and this witch. And she gets a spell put on her by this witch that turns her into like this 90 year old woman. And so throughout the movie, she goes back kind of back and forth between being this 90 year old woman and being this, I don't know, how old is she like 20 or something like this, this young lady. And it was so cool because when um, I don't know about 
the original Japanese cast, but I know when they did the uh, the English dub, so they got Gene Simmons to be Grandma Sophie. And when they were looking to cast, they looked at old footage of her and old recordings, and they tried to match an actress who sounded like her when she was younger. And that's when they found Emily Mortimer, who just fit it perfectly. And it is, it's such a good fit. Like she's, yeah. they're, they're both so good as Sophie and just, oh, it's just so funny. It is definitely one of my top three Studio Ghibli films. And so I'm glad you brought it up, Erin. I absolutely love Howl's Moving Castle. I love the story. This is one of the few instances where I wouldn't say the book is better than the movie or the movie's better than the, than the book. I'm able to view them separately because it's the same story, but they both do such a good job telling it in their own yeah. way. The the just the, the movie is so visually stunning. Like it really the backgrounds, is. these yeah. sweeping, yeah. beautiful views of these fields of flowers and just oh. the colors are so vibrant and mm-hmm. and just all, the setting of it. I love the setting of like this like early 20th century type of technology with like, you know, like and there's like these steam-powered cars and things and mixed in with like the magic, right? The wizards and the witches yeah. and the spells and yeah. stuff. It's such a cool such a cool combination of things. Well, and it's at so some true. point me as traveled to Europe and knowing it now you can really see the influence of those European buildings of like old you know you can think of old Swiss Alps architecture you can see that in House Moving Castle you can see in Kiki's Delivery Service like Mm -hmm. which makes it like it makes it feel yeah sort of fantastical as well that it's this otherworldly magical setting that is just out of a fairy tale yeah. I just want to live there. Yes. <laughs> Me too. Right? I like, really it's do. It's just so nice. Oh, <laughs> I just, I love it so much. It's the, it's wonderful. And Billy Crystal kills it as Calcifer. Oh, yeah. He's so he good. He is so funny. Yeah. Oh. That's a good one line. <laughs> so good. Anyway, that's, yeah, that's that's what I have for Howl's Moving Castle. It's, it's a, I think it's a beautiful movie. And I'll probably, I'll talk about some of my other ones that on a, maybe a different mood, a different day, I might say are my favorite, but, but I think most of the time that's probably my favorite one. If I had to pick one, which I don't have to, but usually. You don't. So, you know. No, my, I feel like I have a top five that are all pretty interchangeable. Like, mm-hmm. I think we've talked about it before. Princess Mononoke tends to come out on top as my most favorite. Mm-hmm. But then I also like, well, but sometimes it's House Moving Castle and sometimes it's Castle in the Sky and sometimes it's Porco Rosa. So it, like, it all is like, well, th- these five are. <laughs> I, will say, I will say this for anybody listening who's not necessarily into anime or like, you know, like sometimes anime has that like stigma of like whatever that anime stigma is, you know what it is. Um, if you're not into it, I, I will say you should give some of these movies a try. Uh, almost, like Shannon said, almost all of these are streaming on Max right now. But so many of these Studio Ghibli films, and we'll get into some other ones as well, but Studio Ghibli films are so much fun. They're so, like there's there's a the element, there's the action and the adventure and the whimsy and the the mystical and, and they're just really fun movies. And I, I just... You should give them a try. <laughs> that's all. Oh, I'm, that's all I'm saying. Give them a try. Yeah. All right. Do we want to do all the Ghiblis if there's more for people to talk about, oh, or do we, we want to? <laughs> we can jump around. around a little bit. We can, we can do whatever you want. Yeah, doesn't matter. Well, okay. I have one more Ghibli I want to talk about, but we'll come back to it. Go for it. Um, I'll skip over to a film that's called A Silent Voice. Have either of you oh, seen that one? Yes. Kristen. Oh, boy. Oh, That's a good dear. one. That'll just rip your heart right out, <laughs> won't it? Um, 
Well, for any listeners that are wondering why Aaron and Shannon made those noises, <laughs> 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 a silent voice. Um, it came out in 2016, and it tells the story of some high schoolers, and it deals with bullying. And it's kind of intense, but it's also really sweet. So, Shannon, I feel like I should have run all these names by you because it seems like you either know how to pronounce the names or you just say them so confidently. I have been studying Japanese for a year. Have you, Shannon? Good on That's you. so cool. I have. I, I have that. flashcards. I have apps. <laughs> I am going to learn enough Japanese to feel very confident when I go to Japan. I love That's it. That's so cool. Oh, <laughs> Shannon. Okay. All right. Well, what this names one- are we saying? Okay, well, I was going to attempt the director's name. Um, Naoko Yamada? Got it. Nice. Ten points. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, um, yes, so this one is, let's see, it's a coming-of-age story uh, dealing with themes of bullying and disability and forgiveness and mental health and even touches on, like, suicide, and it's it's intense. I didn't know it was going to be that intense when I watched it. Me either. It deals with this boy who I think it starts out in middle school or maybe elementary school that he's kind of the ringleader and he's picking on this new girl in, in class who has hearing aids. She's deaf and he picks on her and the rest of the class kind of joins in and picks on her. And it reaches the point that like she's physically being picked on and it comes to the principal's attention. And when she comes to like crack down on the students, they all turn on this first boy and they're like, it it was all him. He was the one. And it kind of gets flipped on its head and going forward into middle school and high school, he's the one that's now bullied and ostracized because of what he did as a little kid to this girl. And then the story picks up in high school where he meets up with her again and he tries to make things right. And he tries to build this friendship with her and try to get her to forgive him. And it's, you know, about how she's dealing with suddenly like, oh, here's this bully from her childhood. And it's dealing with, you know, there's this language barrier because because of her being deaf. And it deals with this kid trying to figure out how to like make friends. And it's just, it's, it's really intense, but the animation is so pretty and it's just, it'll get you right in the feels. And it sure will. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. That is a good one. I like that one a lot. <laughs> know what you're getting into before it's, you go into it's it. Good. <laughs> but yes. It, but yeah, it's worth I, it. It's very uh, good. I did not. Yeah. It was a, it was a movie that I have a really good friend that he is really big on anime, watches a ton Tells me I should watch a lot of shows that I have too long of a list now. But (laughs) he was traveling in London, I think, at the time. And he had one of those pod hotels. So he said that he was all by himself in London watching a silent voice and just was crying. (laughs) And I was like, ah, (laughs) I can imagine that was not the time. So that's all I knew going forward. He's like, oh, yeah, you should watch it. So I was like, okay, so it's just a movie that made you cry. Cool. And then I watched (laughs) it. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. A movie, I was going to say, that did not make me cry, but maybe a little. <laughs> yeah, that I really, really love. Definitely one of my favorite movies just of all time, I think, is the anime Your Name. Oh, yes. <gasps> yes, that's on my list, too. So good. Also made in uh, 2016, I believe. Yep. This movie did incredibly well. Like, this movie became... Another name like Studio Ghibli that people who maybe weren't even super into anime started to 
see this movie and it had such an impact because it's such a well-written movie. It's unique. It has, you know, these surprise moments in it and these endearing characters that it's just so well done. And the animation is beautiful. Like it is, (laughs) it's done so well and it's got those same kind of bright, vivid Ghibli colors to it. The basic plot of this movie is that we have a country girl who is kind of bored and a city boy who is also kind of discontented and they wake up one morning and they have switched bodies and it happens at random and they have no way of really communicating with each other except for leaving notes on each other's cell phones or writing on like their arms or skin or whatever and that's I feel like all I can say. <laughs> There's, I was going to say, there are some big There's... twists in the story of that movie that I did not see coming. And so, yeah, like, I feel mm-hmm. like it's it's hard to give, like, a like well, the movie's about this without giving much away. And so, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like that's, like, the careful of, like, that's enough to get you started. <laughs> Go yeah, watch yeah. it and see how it yeah. is. It's, it's incredibly well done. And, yeah, it's another one that, for people who are like, oh, I don't like anime. Anime's weird. Okay, I can understand Howl's Moving Castle, as much as we love it, it's it's a little strange. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. But you know, the more you watch it, the more you love it. Your name, I don't think, needs more than one watch to be fully in. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Like there's no weird monsters or strange magic or blob creatures or anything. Or like yeah. weird. Yeah. Yep. It's just fun. And so this was produced by Comics Wave Films. Uh, distributed by Toho and was directed by uh, Makoto Shinkai, who he actually has this, it's not fair to call him a trilogy or anything, but he's kind of making this a continuous universe that uh, he directed another movie, which is an honorable mention for me, Weathering With You. Oh, I love that one. Really good. It's so good. good. That one's on my list. I haven't watched it yet, but it's like next in line. I loved that one. Yeah? It was so good. I I cried in that one, I'll be honest. Same. Um, Same. But in this movie, you get references to our main characters from your name. Really? And then oh, fun. Fall- mm-hmm. It's really fun. And then the latest one that came out is Suzume, which I really, really liked, actually. I haven't but seen it yet. It's, okay. It's on my list. It was good. It was really good. But it's kind of building up by picking up where Weathering With You left off. So we're kind of oh, okay. living in that kind of world that we were left with. Okay. And so I really loved those movies. And so I actually, I looked up this director because I was like, I if I liked those three, I wonder what else he's done. <laughs> and I've actually seen some of his, of his other stuff. And uh, the other one of his that I've seen is Children Who Chase Lost Voices, hmm. which I would need to watch again. It's been years since I saw it, but I just remember thinking... Boy, this is weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've never even heard of that. Same, yeah. It's uh, it was known as Journey to Agartha in Japanese, but it it's described as lively, is what Wikipedia says. <laughs> but it, it was one that the plot the plot kept doing stuff that I was like, wait, what is happening now? And so it, this one could have been really good if I watched it more, but just from my one time watching it, I kind of walked away from it being like, well. It was a movie. Kind of weird. <laughs> so, okay. I don't know. I, I want to give his other movies a chance, though, just because, yeah, I loved I loved your name. I loved Suzume, and I really liked Weathering With You. Nice. Okay. Um, just as a side note, I actually have uh, uh, the Wikipedia page pulled up of the highest grossing Japanese films, just because it popped up in my research, and I thought it was interesting. But I have the list up here that's the highest grossing Japanese films with as far as worldwide moneymakers, and your name is the third, uh, number three on the list, oh, wow. which is pretty cool. Howl's Moving Castle is number seven on the list. 
Nice. And we'll see if we talk about the top two. I'm going to make a guess. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I have a guess for what number two is. Okay. We'll see if we get there. Unless you want to guess now. No, no, no. We can see if we get there. All right. Uh, is it my turn? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with another Ghibli movie while we're while we're on this train here. From Up on Poppy Hill. I oh. really, really like From Up on Poppy Hill. Yeah. Kristen, we've talked about yeah. on the show before how I'm a real love story sucker. <laughs> we, oh, yeah. used to, we used to like watch like <laughs> Pride and Prejudice and just like cry to each other like we'll find love someday and <laughs> whatnot. <laughs> this this is such a great love story. I love from up on Poppy Hill. Can I share something embarrassing about Aaron real quick? Yes. <laughs> of Maybe course. he can edit it right out. <laughs> I, yeah, I edit this show, so we'll see. <laughs> He's in charge. <laughs> Let's see. I guess it. it's not really that embarrassing. I just remember when I graduated high school, so there's five years between Aaron and I. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I graduated high school, Sean wasn't living at home anymore. And Shannon, you were still a little kid, more or less. And uh, I started hanging out with Aaron a lot more than I had previously. And that included like going on double dates. And like I started going on dates with like some of his friends. Anyway, I remember many a day like going to church and like sitting on the pew next to each other. And like Aaron would pass me a paper like, hey, so like what's your list of boys? (laughs) Or like... <laughs> and I would share with Aaron the list of guys I was interested in at the time. And then I'd be like, all right, Aaron, what's your list of girls? And he'd pass the paper. All during church, we would just be passing this paper back and forth to each other. <laughs> like, oh, did you ask her out yet? Oh, did, did you? And I was Aaron's wingman for a little bit. And he was mine. And we just, oh, it it's was true, funny. Yeah. But yes. Aaron has forever and always been such a romantic and such a sweetheart. And <laughs> yes, tell us more about Poppy Hill. It's just, it's a really nice movie. Okay, so it's it, from 2011. Also, mom and dad might not be pleased to hear this story. I don't know if they were aware of this. <laughs> um, sorry, we paid attention in church. Did. No, but so the, so the movie, uh, yeah, it came out in 2011, uh, directed by Goro Miyazaki, who is uh, Hayao Miyazaki's son, uh, but it was written by Hayao Miyazaki. And it is, it's just a really nice, Love story. So Studio Ghibli and a lot of anime uh, tend to have these elements of fantasy or the fantastical, right? There's, like you are saying, like weird, like blob monsters and stuff that maybe is like a little far for some people. There's there's like a lot of strong like fantasy and magic elements. This movie has none of that. This is purely a real world story, real world scenario. It is set in Yokohama, Japan in 1963, and it tells the story of Umi, who is a high school girl living in a boarding house with uh, her sister and some family members and a bunch of people who are uh, at the boarding house. And she meets Shun, who is a member of the school's newspaper club. And part of the uh, adventure of the, the story is that there is this club clubhouse next to the school. They call it the Latin Quarter. And the chairman of the high school uh, uh, board or whatever is intending to demolish this old building to to develop and, and, you know, but a new building. But it's like a beloved building to like a lot of the high school students over the years. And so they're trying to save this building. And of course, you know, boy meets girl and girl's interested in boy and boy's interested in girl back. And oh, they're, they're sending signals and oh, he missed this one. And what's going on? <laughs> it's just a really, like, it's a really good love story. There's a little twist in it. I'm not going to spoil mm-hmm. but i just think it's such an it's such a fun movie it's it's i love the music of it they really leaned into this like setting of 1960s japan and so like the 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 soundtrack of it is all very like you know late 50s early 60s vibe uh the instrumentation and the the vocals like it's it's just a fun movie and it's a good love story and i just like it just nice 
it's really nice. There's no it's the, a the cozy. plot. The plot's real easy to follow. You don't have to be like, no, yeah. wait, who is this? The ghost of again? You know, like there's no <laughs> there's no weird anime stuff to follow. It's just just a nice story. No, it's and it's cozy. They're like it feels good. It's a it's a good comfort movie. I think. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Aubrey Plaza is the artist in it. Yes, isn't she? She is. Yeah, <laughs> she's so good. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, good fun character. You know that you know the artist who's the always artist like who always sleeps oh, in. Oh, yeah, like. <laughs> Yes, I, I think, saw the I think he's seeing by. your flags. You know, like really monotone and like what is it? She's eating. She's eating the uh, the jerky. I see it now. The beef jerky is like, is it pork? Like, no, it's beef jerky. Uh, what is it? That's that's Aubrey <laughs> yeah. Plaza's character. <laughs> got it. Got it. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for that one. My next one is a 2020 Netflix original, A Whisker Away. I have not seen that. Oh, it's I cute. Aaron, go watch it. To. Kristen, go watch it. Um, <laughs> all right. It, it's not like you, you, you guys are mentioning all these movies that are like seriously write the next down. Like, three or four. I have them. They're all like I'm, I'm writing it down right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So A Whisker Away is one that I watched because I was like, okay, cute anime, slice of life, heavily features a cat. Lead character is dubbed by Jeremy Lee, who I really like. Oh, yeah. She's so, great. That was all I knew going into it. Oh, my heavens. So the plot of this movie is middle school girl who likes middle school boy who does not like her back because she is loud and awkward. And at some point, she's sad and disappointed. And she expresses, I just wish I was a cat. (laughs) And so shenanigans ensue. And she becomes a cat. And she doesn't know what to do about that. Happens upon middle school boy's house. And he, like, takes her in and pets her and gives her food and, like, (laughs) takes care of her as a stray cat. And so her heart soars because in her mind, he loves her because he does. And he confides in her. And she is really important to him as a cat. <laughs> and oh, no. so she's able to she has this mask that she can take on and off and so like she still will take like go home, take the mask off and like go to school and whatever. But then yeah, she is struggling to kind of not blur those lines. And it's a really good movie. It like it goes from there and like there's some plot twists, there's some like major conflict and whatever it it's really good it's very silly and if you don't take it too seriously it is such a good movie (laughs) all right (laughs) i will check it out for sure that sounds so great Kristen, you up i think i've i've lost the order (laughs) see we kind of been going back and forth i guess i'll talk about my other favorite ghibli movie right now which is kiki's delivery service Oh, oh, it's so good. It's another comfort one. I love this movie so much. A couple of fun things about Kiki's Delivery Service. I guess first background is came out in 1989. And this was one that I think this was the first like anime movie that we ever saw. Right, Shannon? Yes. This is I one we so. just found at our local library. I remember you could rent DVDs from our library for like a dollar and you got it for a week or two weeks or something like that. Anyway, so we would do that now and then as a family on like a Friday night, we would go to the library and mom would let us all pick a movie and, you know, we would watch the heck out of those movies for that week. And I don't know how uh, stumbled upon Kiki's delivery service, but totally watched that over and over and over. And that's how we got introduced to the whole Ghibli world. Um, there was, I mean, the, this was back when it was VHS tapes, and uh, there was a trailer for 
Castle in the Sky, which is another Ghibli movie. And we were like on a mission, like, how are we going to yes. find this movie? Because it they didn't have that one at the library. Mm-mm. And we're like, how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to find this? Because we saw the trailer <laughs> and we loved Kiki. And we're like, we know we want to watch this one. Well, and it wasn't friend, for like Jessica years. Jessica Free had Totoro, right? And so like that, those were the only two yeah. we knew existed. We didn't know mm. how to find anything else. Yeah. Anyway, so Kiki has a special place in my heart, partly just because it's like from my childhood. This is a movie that I watched a lot. And I really love this movie. Uh, you talked about it a little bit, Shannon, um, that Miyazaki d- didn't do a lot of the traditional like villains and bad guys and stuff. And Kiki is one where it's very much a coming of age story. And there is no villain, like there isn't a bad guy, there isn't some bully or mean person. It's just the story of this 13-year-old witch named Kiki, who traditionally, when a witch turns 13, they leave home for one year, and they need to make it on their own, and it's supposed to help them build their independence, and develop their skills. And it just follows the story of this girl who came from this like tiny little town, and she moves to a bigger city, and it's just her meeting a bunch of different people, and some are a little grumpy and some are a little more kind and just these amazing relationships that she builds. Um, She goes through this period where she kind of hits a slump. And it, I got to tell you, rewatching this movie as an adult who has struggled with depression for like 20 years, I'm like, oh, this hits differently now. (laughs) And like watching her like struggle with suddenly these things that used to bring her joy don't bring her joy anymore and how she's like, yeah, I should be happy, but I'm not. And just a lot of the stuff that she deals with and how she pushes through. And yeah, it's just, it just is a fun movie. It's sweet and it's just so enjoyable. And I totally cosplayed as a character from it one time. And it's just, I don't know. I just, I love Kiki's delivery service. Gigi so the cat is one of my favorite characters oh, from all of the Ghibli yes. movies. He's so great. Yes. Well, and Kristen, you're the embodiment of both Osono and Ursula. <laughs> yes. <in> one. <laughs> I started as Ursula and, and I became yeah. Osono. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that book is, or that oh, movie is actually based off of a book. Yes. I've been hunting trying to find the book. Amazon. It's, uh, oh. I bought it and own it. And if I would have used my brain, I would have lent it to you when you were oh, here a month ago and you could have just either. read it. It's a quick read, but it's good. How closely does the movie follow the book? Um, Actually, it's pretty faithful to it. Like, yeah. Kiki goes on more adventures in the book. Like, it's, it's interesting because it's almost episodic that it's like, okay, Kiki leaves home and that's all kind of similar. And then she has all of her different adventures that she goes on and the end. So, I mean, there's there's cool. stuff in there that isn't the same for sure, but, like, it follows the same basic format. I'm going to have to check right. it out. Cool. I have not read it. Yeah. I I will say I we have the, like, old original, I mean, original, uh, DVD of the first dub of it. There are a couple of the Ghibli movies that have since, like, they were dubbed and put out by Disney and have since been redone so that they're more faithful to the originals. Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate that, but for nostalgia, I, I need to save <laughs> Kiki's Delivery Service <laughs> because there's some lines that have been taken out and the soundtrack has been uh, reverted back to the original, uh, which means a lot yeah. more just, like, silent moments. Yeah. Which, 
again, that's how it originally was. And so I do appreciate that. But for my nostalgia, I need to save these old ones. It's interesting how that's changed. I, I watched uh, Castle in the Sky not too long ago on on Max. And I kept thinking, is there stuff missing? I feel like I'm missing that's something. That's the biggest difference. And, and that, was, that was exactly it. And actually, this is an interesting story. So uh, Kiki's Delivery Service was the first movie in a 15-year distribution deal between Studio Ghibli and Disney. And it's not that Disney owned, you know, Ghibli at all. It was just a distribution thing like, you know, hey, in, in the United States, everyone knows Disney. And so if we, you know, stamp our name on the top of your, your DVD or whatever, like it's a better chance for people to see it. So Disney also had a big hand in doing the dubs for a lot of these movies. And it turns out there were quite a few movies where Disney was actually in breach of contract because they changed things without permission. And not that they were like, you know, huge major plot points, but like like we were saying, if you watch these original dubs that you guys have on DVD versus what's streaming now, there's dialogue that's missing. There's dialogue that's mm-hmm. changed. There's music cues that are different. And that's actually a big reason why uh, the Ghibli movies are not on Disney+. Plus. I, I expected them to be because they've yeah. been tied to Disney for so long. But that's a big reason why yeah. that partnership has ended and they're on Max now instead of Disney+. Plus. So. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Well, this is a little tangenty but relevant, but like I don't know if you guys have heard the story of when Princess Mononoke was being dubbed that the producer uh I never remember his name, Toshio Suzuki, who I was saying, he sent the CEO who'd wanted to do it at the time, they sent him a katana with a two-word note that said no cuts because (laughs) they had a really bad experience with Nausicaa, actually. And I learned this today. I'll send you guys some pictures of the posters. When Nausicaa was very first introduced to the United States, it was severely cut that it's normally a hundred and something minutes. They got they cut it down to ninety minutes. They changed the name to Warriors of the Wind. What is what this? I just, is that? I sent oh, you guys the poster geez. that we have sexy blonde Nausicaa in the corner. Why is there a Pegasus? I know Asbel is holding what? a machine gun, riding Pegasus. What is this? Whatever her name is, who's like is that sort Skeletor? of Skeletor? Yeah, that Skeletor I think is supposed to be what's her name? Like the antagonist who's like in her suit of armor. This is weird, you guys. Well, and then so yeah, so there's the Walker who's got this sword, and I assume. I think Kirishima is his name. It's always got like the sideways mouth and stuff. So here's this super weird thing. That's weird. And the second like poster is a little more true to it. But look at Nausicaa. What is happening with her face in that second one? Like, Yeah, there's something wrong here. It's, it's um, wild. And so it was released. It was severely huh. edited. They took out like everything that had to do with like the environment and they just made it action. So they took out everything with like Nausicaa's garden. They took out everything what? with like being underneath the toxic jungle. They took out all of Nausicaa's flashbacks to her childhood. Uh. Like, they, Those are such good like, parts. They gutted yeah. this movie. And this was like Miyazaki's first time trying to branch out and make his movies international. And he was like, nope, oh, I'm no. good. I'm done. Man. And so, and this movie was from the 80s. And so we didn't get any like dubs in America until the 90s. Like it took a, like 10 years before he was like, okay, we can try this again <laughs> with somebody else. And we are not. We are not doing what we did. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, tangenty, yeah. but there you go. Fun fact. <laughs> that is crazy. I knew the story of the katana. I didn't know about the monstrosity that that is. Warriors oh. of the wind. <laughs> that's, that's oh, wow. just 
sad. <laughs> I will say this. That American poppy song in the beginning of Kiki and at the end of Kiki, those two songs are just delightful. Oh, and, oh I love them. Yeah. I played the the English card captors opening song for my kids because they've been watching <laughs> the card captors on Netflix. Cause that song oh, was so good. I don't care. Say what you yeah. will about how <laughs> they butchered the edits and the storyline, because they did, but that song, that song was a gift. And I'm sad yes. that it's no longer around. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Those those Kiki's delivery service songs, you can't buy them. Like, they're not on iTunes. No. They're not on Spotify. Like, they are lost. They are gone. Like, yeah. I think there's, like, a compilation CD that you can maybe find on eBay in some places. But, like, you, you cannot get a digital version of those Kiki's Delivery Service songs anymore. Huh. Man. Didn't know that. Higher than I ever, ever could. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about those all night now. To you, Aaron. Well, so oh, Kiki's man. Delivery Service is, is a wonderful, happy, feel-good movie. Let's do a complete 180 and talk about a movie no, don't. that I really enjoy oh, no. that's a lot called Akira. Oh, okay. Shannon, you've seen it. Kristen, have you seen this one? No. Okay. It looks so sad. Same with Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, no. This, this is very different from Grave of the Fireflies. So this so one's I'm, violent, right? Yes. Yeah, this okay. one's violent. Doesn't leave you feeling empty. Yes, Grave of the Fireflies <laughs> is just heavy and sad. This one is like gritty and dark and like okay. punch you in the face. So, <laughs> but it's really good. Sounds fun. Yes. So Akira or Akira. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just going to say Akira because I think that's how most people I know talk about that's it. That's how the Americans would say it. It's fine. 1988 is when it came out. Um, it's a cyberpunk action film. I actually, I mentioned it briefly when I was talking about our anime series uh, or our, our follow-up when I was talking about cyberpunk edge runners. That show is heavily influenced by Akira. And this actually was like a really groundbreaking anime film that was super influential and like reached so far outside of Japan to these other markets and stuff, but it is based on a manga. It's set in a dystopian 2019. Ooh, future. <laughs> uh, so Wikipedia says, and this is accurate, it tells the story of Kanada, who is a leader of a biker gang, whose childhood friend, Tetsuo Shima, acquires incredible telekinetic abilities after a motorcycle accident with a genetically altered person, eventually threatening an entire military complex amid chaos and rebellion in the sprawling, futuristic metropolitan of Neo Tokyo. If that's not the most anime sentence that has ever <laughs> existed, it's just it's pretty good. <laughs> it's a very so so yeah, it said it's like World War Three has happened. That's the very first scene of the movie is like a big old bomb, and it's like this was World War Three, which took place in the 80s, apparently. And so <laughs> Neo Tokyo is the rebuilt Tokyo from the ashes of World War Three, and it's like super futuristic, and it's just like overrun with corruption and these like biker gangs that are feuding, and there is like the the like strong like military presence, and of course they've got like their covert labs where they're like experimenting on like psychic and telekinetic powers with the people. And that's kind of all you need to know going into it. It's just, it's, it really was a groundbreaking film though. And the action sequences are just incredible. All of the motorcycle stuff. In fact, the, uh, the Akira slide is actually a thing that has been paid tribute in so many action movies since then. It's just the act, the act of like sliding your motorcycle to the side to come to a stop. And, uh, it came from this movie and so many action movies have paid tribute to it. But like, 
like, you know, it's it's a heavy movie. Um, it's definitely rated R. It's violent. It's uh, got some, you know, blood and gore, uh, some brief nudity, a lot of language. So, you know, it's, like I said, 180 from Kiki. Yep. But it really is a good movie. And it's it's one of those ones that... I don't know. Like you, you get to the end of the movie and it's not like, all right, we all learned our lesson. Like you kind of get to the end of the movie and you're just like, oh, we made it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know no. what I mean? Okay. <laughs> so I know okay. I'm not selling it well, but it really is such a good movie. And Shannon, you saw it for the first time with me. I, I showed it to you. Yes. Am I being accurate? This, this and did was, you think it was yeah. any good? <laughs> yes. I, well, we kind of had talked about it. And this was also the same setting that like, I showed you Kaguya for the first time. Yes. Yeah. What a weird pair. We both were like, hey, here's a movie that's going to make you <laughs> feel things. But yeah, I I feel like I it was it was a good movie. I don't think I would have mentioned it as like a favorite. I would definitely give it an honorable mention because like you said it was so monumental in its impact and you can tell that from watching it. But at the same time because I have experienced this backwards that I've seen all the references that I've seen all of the like Gundam whatever stuff then going back to seeing the origin of it makes it feel a little less like important like I, that's not the word I'm trying to say I, th- I think I know because, what you're saying though yeah I think I get it but it doesn't have that same kind of oomph for me because I'm like oh yeah no I have seen this before but then to think about the fact that it's like no no but this is the first time that you would have seen that <laughs> that I think is cool to to really appreciate it for sure I will say this I think it's an interesting thing for me personally like I love a love story I love these feel-good movies that just like you can sit down and watch Poppy Hill or Kiki's Delivery Service and you just like feel so good and it's great and sometimes I'm in the mood for like a sad movie, not necessarily Grave of the Fireflies sad, but you know, something that'll, you know, bring a tear to your eye and like you get the emotions yeah. going. Yeah. And sometimes I'm just in the mood for a movie that's just about the world is awful. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's almost like, it's almost like the scream therapy in your car, you know, like when you're driving by yourself and you just scream yep, at the top yep. of your lungs in your car to like get whatever stress out of your system. I almost feel mm-hmm. like these really gritty, dark movies like Akira are kind of that for me. Like I can watch them and be like, oh, that's rough. And then I like feel better afterwards. You know what I mean? So uh, (laughs) maybe I'm just crazy, but that's it is it is one of my favorites. No, I get that. Well, another one that makes you feel sad. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good movie. I'm not gonna lead with it that way. What's wrong with the two of you? Millennium actress. You liked it too. (laughs) I love that was the last one I wanted to talk about. I don't think it's sad. It's not that sad. Well, I mean, like, it's not going to, like, leave you depressed, sad, but you're also not going to feel like you feel after Kiki or Poppy That's Hill. True. That's, That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. general plot of Millennium Actress. Kristen, do you want to do this one since this was your last one? Well, did you have another one you wanted to talk about? I don't I don't just want to, like, steal Yeah. It. No, jump on in. Talk about Millennium Actress. The reason why I was going to talk about this one next was because we talked about the impact of uh, Akira that I learned today that um, the director for Millennium Actress also did a bunch of very important anime movies that, like, I don't know if you guys have heard about Paprika. Um, Uh He So Paprika is Inception, actually, before Inception was made. And uh, it's from 1993, I think. But it's a pretty big, like, classic anime movie, like Akira is. Um, He also made Perfect Blue, 
which I couldn't tell you anything about the plot of that one, except for that I know that one makes it into a lot of like top anime lists. Like it's another big one. I hear that's a heavy one too. I haven't seen it, but I have yeah. heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah. And so, and he also made Millennium Actress, which we saw again from the library and loved. Yeah. So yes, yeah, that that that's exactly right. After seeing Kiki and being introduced to this world of anime, I went uh, to the Orem. Sorry, I probably shouldn't say that. I went to the library. You can say Orem Library. That's fine. I don't, I, I don't know if you want people. Shout out to the Orem Public Library. <laughs> Perfect. Anyway, um, yeah, we uh, went to like their adult animated film shelf that they had and there were like i don't know eight movies like the selection was not very big at the time but i remember it had like akira and it had i don't know if it had paprika or perfect blue it had one of those um it had it had a lot of these like more adult rated r movies that i skipped over because i was i think a teenager at this point anyway they were not uh, allowed Nope. But they did have Millennium Actress, which is where I got it and saw it. And I loved it so much. I think you gave it to me, Shannon. Maybe you? I did. Somebody. I think Somebody I gave it, it to me for a birthday. Point. Yes. And um, I love it. I love it so much. So the premise for Millennium Actress is that um, it follows the life of this actress. So there's this documentary director who really loves this actress. And she was a very famous actress for like 30, 40 years. And then she suddenly retired. And this big fan of hers who's making the, this documentary, he's like, I'm going to go interview her and find out about her life. And he goes and as he's interviewing her and talking to her, she starts telling her life story about how she was discovered as like a little teenager. And as she tells her life story, it goes back and forth between her roles as an actress and like her life. And it's so beautifully woven together that you're not exactly sure what's real and what's not. Like what is her playing a part? What is something that actually happened to her? Because it just seamlessly goes back and forth from like her being in this period costume to her suddenly being backstage talking with one of the other actresses. But it's all the same story being told. And it's just, it's so fun. And it, you know, follows her over these years and shows her growing up and she's trying to find this person, this man who was kind to her when she was young. And that's like why she became an actress. She's like, if I become famous enough, then he'll recognize me and come find me. And um, it's just her telling the story. And it's just so fun. And it's kind of a mind trip. It's like, did she make it all up? Was it real? I don't know. And it's really fun. Like when they show the different movies, uh, like there's like a old period war movie, and there's like a monster movie. And there's like, as they're told, they're animated slightly different. Or I think I was reading that after they animated it, they like ran it through filters to give it like an old feel to it and different stuff. So like each of the sections of the movie looks just a little bit different. And it's really fun. And it's really interesting. But yeah, I would definitely check that one out. Shannon, did you have anything you wanted to add? It's really good. It is very good. <laughs> it's, it's been a long time since I've seen that one. I need to just buy it because you can't stream it anywhere. I've I've looked, but it is so, so good. And yeah, like it's like it's exactly what you said. It's just it's really cool how the stories are, are told and visually it's so pretty. So yeah, 10 out of 10. Yeah, love that. Really good. Any others you guys want to talk about? I've got I've got two more on my list that I'd want to briefly mention because I would feel weird not mentioning these two on this topic. Yeah. Um, 
I got a ton of honorable mentions. Like Same. I have more that I could yeah. talk about, Same. but I tried to I tried to cut back a little bit. <laughs> Believe it or not. I mean <laughs> my others that I mean I could say in a couple sentences or less uh, is Pataman Verded, another one that oh, yeah. We watched I haven't even that heard of that. Time. What's that one? That's one oh, you showed Kristen, me. Oh, Kristen, it's good. Yeah, so this one um, came out in 2012, actually, but takes place in the future, 2067. Oh, that's <laughs> um, forever away. So far. Oh. And I feel like I truly cannot say much about the plot of this movie because okay. it's really like it makes you think you get to the end of the movie and you want to immediately watch it again to make yourself understand a little more uh-huh. because the basic <laughs> plot is that you have a girl who lives below ground with people who have been told that the surface is not a safe place and if you go to the surface then you will float until you leave earth and die and something happens she wants to explore wouldn't you know it she goes to the surface and she finds that there's a civilization of people who live there who don't float and so there's that kind of mystery of why do these people stay grounded and why does she not and like why does her family like why is this this whole thing and then i mean you get into kind of the socio-politicalness of it of these different classes of people and it's really interesting and very very good yeah Mm. that was one that That you showed me i feel like there was that one there was like a week it was when you were you were uh house house sitting it was when nolan and his family were in japan yeah and you were house sitting for them and we just started watching a bunch of movies it's like oh you haven't seen this oh yeah well you haven't seen that and you showed me a few that was one of them yeah (laughs) yes um the only other one i was gonna say anything in more detail about was uh the anime wolf children I don't know if you guys have seen. I have not. This one is really good, but also makes you feel a little bit weird because um, (laughs) we have our main character, female, who falls in love with a werewolf and they have two kids who are half wolf. And so it kind of has that like kind of makes you feel weird vibe of these kids are half wolf, half people. (laughs) But it is interesting because now it's these kids trying to grow up and kind of balance that of the one leans more towards wolf tendencies and likes to spend more time in wolf form and is more wild and everything. And then the other one wants to just fit in and would rather be in human form and stuff. And this poor mom doing her best to raise these kids. The soundtrack is beautiful. Um, The same guy who did the soundtrack. uh, Oh, I just bragged about it. Now I'm going to have a hard time. Uh, Masakatsu Takagi. Uh, He also did the soundtrack for the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. So a beautiful soundtrack. And the director who did Wolf Children actually was originally set to be the director for Howl's Moving Castle. And when production started, there were a lot of creative differences. And he was told to make the movie how Miyazaki would make the movie. And he said, no, I'm my own person. If you want it to be made how (laughs) Miyazaki wants it made, have him do it. (laughs) So <laughs> he he kind of took a step back from that, but he has made a lot of movies that are kind of the more current movies that are pretty popular. Um, he did Belle, which came out in 2021, um, Mirai, The Boy and the Beast, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, lots okay. of good, big, like current anime movies. So That's cool. And that's it for things I had specifics. 
Well, the things that the two I want to talk about is I, I, I feel weird. Like I said, it's really hard to pick a favorite. I feel like that all my honorable mention is like, I could just talk about all of these movies. But the two I feel like I need to mention before we get to honorable mentions is Spirited Away mm-hmm. and Princess Mononoke, mm-hmm. which I, I feel like these are two movies that are, are among the great movies ever. Not just great anime, not just great animation, you know, not just great foreign films. Like just they're great movies all around. Spirited Away is possibly the most most famous of the of the Ghibli movies, probably because in addition to it being a huge success, it also won an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. It's it's just a, a great, great film. Uh, it tells the story of Chihiro, who is a 10-year-old girl who, while moving to a new neighborhood, accidentally enters the world of the kami, which means spirits in Japanese Shinto folklore. Her parents uh, are turned into pigs by the witch Yubaba, and uh, Chihiro has to work to uh, try to find a way to free herself and her parents and return to the human world. That's just the, the the short Wikipedia description of it. But the whole movie is just beautiful. The story is so great. There's lots of interesting twists and turns. The characters are just so fantastic. No face. The Boiler Man, like all of all of these crazy characters you meet are so good. The whole thing, everything in this movie is just fantastic. Absolutely deserved the Academy Award and and mm-hmm. and more beyond that. Uh, and then Princess Mononoke, which, which I, again, I was saying, like, you know, well, depending on the day, what my favorites are, Princess Mononoke is absolutely one of my favorite movies and is one I've seen many, many times. I feel like it's a, it's one of those movies that is worth watching many times. Uh, you pick up little details. You, you understand more of the story. Uh, but Princess Mononoke is an interesting one in that there isn't necessarily a specific bad guy and also everybody's a bad guy. Like all, (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the characters are so complex and it's hard to say like, oh, well, this guy's wrong and this guy's right. Oh, but if you look from his perspective, I see what he's saying and they're wrong. You know what I mean? Like it's very complex in, in an interesting way. Like, I don't know that I can even point to any single character as like that guy's the villain of the movie. And I I have to say the first like five to 10 minutes opening of the movie I think is some of the greatest filmmaking that has ever existed. That's so beautiful. From, from the opening of the movie clear up to as Ashitaka kind of begins his quest, not to spoil anything for, for the listeners, but it's just a, it's just perfect. And like the epic soundtrack from Johi Saishi, like, oh, the movie is so good. And it, like I said, it's it's mm-hmm. one a lot of these movies I've seen many many times over, and it, it's they just don't get old. They're so good. Yeah. But yeah, I think the rest of mine are just uh, honorable mentions, which feels weird to relegate something like Porco Rosso to an honorable oh, mention because it's so good. Oh, I know. But like, right? we could just go on and on about all like, all these movies. You made a good point, Shannon. Like, you could just do a whole episode about each of these movies, and it would yeah. not do them justice. So <laughs> you mentioned Spirited Away. That was my guess for going back to that list of high. Highest grossing anime movies. It is number two on the list. I was going to say it's number, number two, one? right? Is it Demon Slayer Mugen Train? It is Demon Slayer oh. Mugen Train. That movie was really good. It is not better than Spirited Away, but it no. was really good. No. no, it's super, super good. And I love Demon Slayer. We've talked about that on, on the podcast before. I love Demon Slayer. It's but on my yeah, honorable mention. It is a huge success monetarily. Tasty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have a whole section, subsection for my honorable mentions that are just animes based off or movies based off of like a series 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mugen Train is right there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess, should we wrap it up and get on to some honorable mentions at the end here? Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, cool. Kristen, thanks uh, again for joining us. This was perfect. This was right up your alley. It was funny when I I texted. A lot of times I'll text, you know, you, Kristen, or or whoever as a guest and be like, hey, are you interested? Are you whatever? And I texted you and I was like, hey, anime on Tuesday. You down? And you were like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you'd be in. So thank you for joining Tons of exclamation marks. Yep. And to be fair, all of our family has enjoyed most of these movies. We could have had Nolan join in as well. If Sean was available, he could have joined in too. And I'm sure both would have had plenty of great input to, to, to these great movies. So... Anyway, but we'll go ahead and wrap it up. As usual, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite anime movies. I mean, even just among us, I knew there would be overlap, but like I added a few to my list of ones I need to watch now. So let us know what your favorites are. Also, let us know if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And if you don't feel like giving us a five-star rating, it's probably because you watched Grave of the Fireflies, didn't you? You don't feel like doing much of anything Sorry. after Mm-mm. you watch that movie. Take take a mental health day. We understand. <laughs> go watch Kiki. Go watch Poppy Hill. Go watch Totoro. Watch one of these real happy ones, and then you'll feel like giving us five stars. Don't there do, we go. Don't do anything drastic after <laughs> Grave of the Fireflies. Just take a deep breath and dry your eyes, and <laughs> you'll be okay. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, I guess that'll do it until next week. My name's Aaron. And I'm Kristen, filling in briefly. <laughs> and I'm Shannon. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Cue the music. tell you what guys i have another movie on my honorable mentions list that ties with saddest movie ever oh you've told me have i was gonna say you have i know you haven't seen it because no well, a little <laughs> movie called barefoot gen which I, I should say real quick we keep talking about grave of the fireflies but for anyone who's not familiar with it it's the story of two children who lose their parents in uh, world war ii in japan and it's just sad after sad after sad barefoot gen is a story of a little kid again in world war ii who lives in hiroshima That'll tell you everything you need to know. It's the saddest thing. No, great for the fireflies, but it's up there with saddest things I've ever seen. Oh, man. Let's talk about honorable mentions that are not so sad. Okay. (laughs) Interstellar 5555. Oh, yeah. That was on my list. (laughs) Mary and the Witch's Flower. The Secret World of Arietti. I just got to run down the list. Nausicaa, Castle in the Sky, My Neighbor Totoro, Porco Rosso, My Neighbors the Yamadas, <laughs> Ponyo, Secret World of Arietti, Tale of Princess Kaguya, The Wind Rises, When Marnie Was There, all the Ghibli ones. They're all so great. All the Ghibli ones. <laughs> all right. How about the Castle of Cagliostro? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. What? That's a fun one. Where do I see that? It's, oh. it's on my to watch list and where has been forever. It's come and gone from Netflix a couple of times. I don't know if it's there now, but that's where I watched Check it. Check the library. Okay. The li- Shut up. To the Oran Public Library. I think yeah. that's where I saw it. How about Little Nemo and his adventures in Dreamland? <laughs> yeah. Remember that one? That's a good one, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> good. Vampire Hunter D. You ever oh, see that one? I have not seen that. That one's uh-huh. intense. That's one that's pretty violent. It's the story of like a vampire hunter and Dracula and stuff. But once again, like the animation and the character design is just pretty. It's intense, but it's pretty. Movies based off of series Hardcaptor Sakura, the movie. Card Captor Sakura, The Sealed Card, Demon Slayer Mugen Train, Pokemon, the first movie, and Digimon Adventure. 
Oh yeah. Yes. And and some of the My Hero Academia movies. I couldn't remember what they were all called. I don't think it's fair that a Pokemon movie made me cry oh, at the very end. <laughs> oh, sad little Pikachu is slapping other little Pikachu and he refuses to hit him back. And they're just like Ah, okay. The tears. Did you know down. though? We got an American edit of that movie. What? There were deleted scenes from the movie that ah. humanized Mewtwo and explained the cloning process that made it a much deeper movie. I have not seen it. It's been floating around the internet. I watched a TikTok about Boy. it. Why does everyone think Americans are so dumb? Yeah, why can't like, we handle uh, stuff? Come on, we can take it. It's like when they brought Harry Potter over and they're like, mm, they can't handle philosopher's stones. They don't stone. know what philosophers are. Yeah, they're the change of We're going to change it to sorcerer's sorcerer stone. <laughs> we can be dumb, but it doesn't mean. We're not always dumb. <laughs> Give us a chance. Maybe we'll be less dumb. <laughs> Maybe if we got these deep, meaningful movies, we wouldn't be so dumb. Yes. People. 